I V M. Okay. So it's because when we had gone to on a little trip for my mom's birthday, my dad suddenly got food poisoning very badly there, no? Huh. And then all he wanted was Horlicks or Bonvita over there. That's only specific. Yeah, he just needed something warm and whatever. So that time the hotel organized it for him. And then when we came back, of course, the next day he has decided these two items must be in our home, Horlicks and Bonvita. Because he was like, why not? There's no product placement. Oh shit, unko faltu mein shout out mil gaya. Anyway, now it's there in the house for any sick days or any day where you suddenly feel like you need a, a boost. That childhood Shakti. Did you get the <laughs> you joke? Know? I got it. I got it. <laughs> wow. It's the trifecta. We hit them all. Please don't make me start complaining about something else now. There's a fourth. Uh, I am a complain boy. Oh, complain. Yeah. Call it complain. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I didn't do it. My delivery was poor. I am sorry. Well, hi. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Welcome back, Ayushi from foreign. Honestly, I was stressed out today about recording because I feel like every time I take such a big break from it, I forget how to do it effectively or with the grace that I aspire to have. Which is, Which is why there. at the top only now today, listeners, we'll tell you lower your expectations, lower them, just lower them. Today is a general chit chat catch up um, just between myself and my dearest pal. Because it's been a while, actually. I think we had our last couple of episodes have all been with guests, though they've been great. No problem with that. It's just um, we haven't had some purely Tash and Ayushi time. One on one. So, you know what, actually, there Mm. were a couple of requests that we got on our email address, aglastationadulthood at gmail.com. So for everyone who has been writing in, thank you so much. We appreciate it. But there were two people who wrote in a very similar request. And that was about, um, and I'm not trying to say that that's what we should talk about, but I thought that would be a nice jumping off point as to where we can go with this. The similar idea was that they were both struggling with the concept and this stage in their life of moving back home to specifically to India after studying abroad or after living abroad. And they made that decision, not entirely based on the pandemic, but maybe because of the pandemic, a little bit of family issues coming home, spending a lot of time out. So they were just trying to understand that as two individuals who had made that decision to study and live abroad and then come back home and actually live with your parents for a while before branching out, et cetera. How did you and I approach that decision? Like, how did you decide that that was the right thing to do? Why did you do it? And how, how do you stand by it? I think that was kind of the premise mm-hmm. under both of their emails. And um, I don't think I replied very effectively. I was like, we'll definitely get into it on the show. Yeah, but honestly, um, why don't you, you just, we can answer these on the show and talk about a little bit about it now. Yeah, I yeah. I think now is a good time. So because I think these people listen to the show regularly. So here, this is for you. Oh, it's been 10 years, Ayushi, since I went to college. But that's Yeah, but when did begins. you come back? Came back about uh, in 2014. Okay. So see, my main reason for returning was that 
where I studied in Singapore, there is an entertainment industry, but it's not really thriving. I did write that back to her that I think that yeah. I, if I speak on Tash's behalf, like I said, from Tash's side, it just seems like that was the right thing for her to do career-wise. Career-wise, absolutely. Here. Absolutely. Bollywood So is that's here. it. Mine was very, very straightforward. Over there, they kept asking me to audition for roles uh, for Tamil-speaking Indian actors. I oh, respectfully right. said I cannot. <laughs> because I'm you sorry. don't speak Tamil. Yes. Anyway. But uh, oh, yeah. I think mine was, I came back in 2016. And that was about like five and a half, six years after, like, after leaving. So I just kind of felt honestly, and I, I, I thought that at, at that time I associated a lot of this with like a oh, weakness and like not being able to ha- like, you know, uh, uh, not wanting to stick it out any further. Hmm. But I think now in retrospect, I was just really homesick. After yeah. a point, you just realize that like, yeah, you're doing this to work towards something and that's fine. Like having that, um, taking those roots of branching out and spreading your wings and flying and like achieving new things. That's of course, it's very cool. And uh, hats off to everyone who does that. But I think after six years of not being there and because my mom had gotten sick in the middle of all of that, and I had not been at home while she had been sick, um, which actually played a huge role in my decision-making because I was like, I just missed so much of her trauma and I wasn't there for it. So in the recovery and the healing process, I wanted to be around and I wanted to be present so that combined with the fact that I felt like, you know, six years is enough. I think I'm ready. Yeah. I think it's a very personal decision also yeah. based on so many factors in your life where you're at. Um, and of course, family is a, an important reason, I guess, to come back. Yeah. But also you need to weigh for yourself. What is the, what are your career prospects and where are you going to really thrive what is the best decision for you in this moment, I guess? I was, I will say I was pretty much miserable for the first three months after moving back. Yeah, it's never easy. That's it was the thing. Horrible. That readjustment and that shift of gears is horrible. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. it, I almost felt like I was trying to make friends with my friends again. Like maybe Absolutely. not my like core group of like seven, eight, you but know. The extended like social besties, circle, but like, you feel like, oh social. God. I have to re-debut into society. <laughs> no, it was like that. And I spent a little, I, I came back a little bit after a lot of our friends had already moved home. Yeah. So there were new, you know, new dynamics, new clicks, new circles. And I, when I came back, I was miserable because I didn't recognize my life. Also, your parents haven't lived with you for six years where developmentally you've become a different person or not a different person, but you've really, you've changed, you've progressed and stuff like that. Um, so you, you know, you're re getting to know your parents as well. And they, in all fairness, are getting to know you again. Absolutely. So it's After not all easy. the money they've spent on your education. You've come back and now they're like, oh, this is how they are. This is and you come back become. and you come and you know, like, I think we have such a tendency to come back so entitled and I don't mean entitled in terms of like wealth and privilege. I mean, entitled in terms of thoughts and ideas and like the politics of coming back and your identity and your ideology, all of these things come like, so like, I'm, you know, I'm above this. I'm above all the social mores that hold you back in Indian society. I don't prescribe to this anymore. I'm such Mm. a liberal feminist who, you know, prescribes, I, I look more towards the socialist end of things. And then you start working and you're like, Oh, 
<laughs> just rain it in. Rain it in. But yeah, so I think you're right, it's personal. But sometimes you just know that this is what you need. And if yeah, you have a I hunch, mean, then you well, should follow so it. I'm curious about this also. Now, Ayushi, now you've spoken about this particular decision of the coming back after <laughs> studying abroad and all of that. Should we talk a little bit about just decision making as an adult? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> because now you said been making you have a, a lot hunch, of decisions lately. Correct, correct. Same. Um, deciding. Oh, nice how you did that. Yeah. Using the hunch thing. I like that. I yeah. Like that. Because it just, you know, it just sparked a thought in my head. Mm. Um, What's your question? How, how do you approach decision making? Is it always the trusting of the hunch or what has it been in the recent, say, two, three months? Very recent, I want to look at. My hunchback has been wrong many times. <laughs> so can't trust him. He is, you know, have you also ever wondered why the hunchback thought that he deserved the most beautiful girl in the whole town? Like, that's a whole other thing that I want to explore one day. Just like the, the, the weirdness of that. Like, hmm. But why? Okay. He, ugh, I guess he didn't look at himself as a go. But he did. His friends oh, try yeah. to set him up with like, like, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot there. Anyway, that's not. Anyway, sorry. Um. What was the question? Oh, how about do I decision make making and your gut, or do you make a pros and cons list, or how difficult it is to make decisions? Also, yeah, okay. I think that the hardest thing about making a decision is actually that end goal question. Is like, did you do it right? Like, yeah. And for me, it's two things. It's like, was this the right decision? And secondly, is there longevity in this decision? Like, sometimes a decision seems like it's very right for right now. Um, and so because it's working out, you may sort of fool yourself into believing that you took the right call. Um, but then sometimes that decision might not have the legs to go the distance, mm. you know, and it's more of like a sprinter as opposed to a marathoner. And really, as an adult, what you're trying to do is get better at making marathon decisions. Yes. You know, yes. and to kind of go with this race metaphor <laughs> that we have. <laughs> Love the metaphors. Yeah, sometimes I think even a decision can be like, I think the perfect decision is like a triathlon. Is that in various situations, it has still sort of been working towards that end goal, which is the finish line. So it's kind of carrying the same body, which is you, through the swimming, through the cycling, through the running. Mm. Um, and that to me is like the most perfect decision, right? That in any kind of medium, it has worked. It's gone the distance. I love that, Ayushi. I feel like this is going to become a... I should write about this. I, I should, swear. I should, <laughs> you just come that. up with a jam. Yeah. So I think recently, I'm having a little bit of a struggle between making decisions that feel right right now versus a decision that's like, is this going to go the distance? Is it going to hang tight for the rest of the couple months? But the problem is that when you're an adult or when you're slowly becoming an adult or you're in your this you know 20s 30s time decisions seem to have larger ramifications than they used to when you were younger oh yeah because these could also be decisions that have a major effect on the course of your the rest of your adult right? yeah and it's harder and harder to walk out of them without hurting yourself or hurting somebody else yeah. And I don't mean that just because in like a personal no. way I mean that professionally I mean yeah. that existentially educationally like like uh, personality wise also the decisions that you're taking for yourself 
you want to minimize any sort of collateral damage to yourself or to someone else. But then as you get older, you start realizing that you're just going to have to accept that sometimes there is going to be decision, like pain. And it just depends on whether you want to hurt yourself or you want to hurt someone else. Yeah. And to also know that I guess sometimes it's okay to feel bad or feel sad or feel like shit even after making the right decision. Because sometimes we feel like, oh, of course, if we made the right decision, we should be able to oh, that's move it. forward quickly. Yeah, I think that's like the f- up of like human morality, right? Or like sort of accepted morality, ideas and moralities, just that if you made the right decision, it's going to be the right thing and it's going to feel right and it's going to click like the lock, the key in the lock is just going to fit. But speaking from a more realistic point of view I think for both of us recently just making decisions has been more like I'm making the right decision but it just doesn't feel right but I know here in my mind that I'm doing what's the right thing to do but in my stomach where my is a source of my feelings it's just yeah you know but we're speaking in circles I feel which is not fair to listeners I think a lot of what you and I are going through right now is just growing pains Yeah. And we are on the precipice of 30 now. And I know that we're not supposed to make like a big deal about the number. And it's not supposed to be the number. 20s is a thing, I'm guessing. No, but it is. I really think it is. Because I think this 28, 29 year, this this thing where you, the cusp, right? Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Unrelated, but related is astrological. Oh, you don't have Mercury. No, babe, it's a Saturn return. So when you turn 27, from 27 to 30 is when Saturn is coming back in those three years to the same position kind of it was when you were born. So it takes 27 years for the Saturn planet to return to its spot. Okay, but is that Um, a good or bad thing? um, It's neither. It can be both. It's just a time of evolution, change and growth. That's why a lot of things change between these ages. Major life decisions are taken. Um, people undergo kind of a metamorphosis. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah, no, see, honestly, because I think even now between you, me and our friends that I've been talking to, everyone's kind of feeling a sort of shift in gears. And of course, it's a many, many different things. The past two years, pandemically, life and all of that. Mm-hmm. But also maybe there is just something to the fact that we are closer to 30 We've lived out most of our 20s, Ayushi. No, it's done. I'm turning 30 in March. I have like six months. Exactly. So the 20s are gone. I think that in itself also is a... While it may not be a psychological thing that we hold on to so much, oh, mentally, oh shit, I'm 30. But on a very purely physical, bodily level, on a cellular level, on this body has been working for 30 years. Now it's been 30 years. It's been on this planet, eating, drinking, growing, breathing. You're going to make me cry. So. Which is a thing that happens now, by the way. Ayushi cries and that's such one a beautiful. Life is about to stop hurting me. You know, it's fine. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, so dark. No, but I I, I think there's... Yeah, continue on yeah. this. No, I'm just saying that between the mental understanding of something and the physical catching up to it. So it whether it is the decision making or this turning 30, like on an intellectual level, you're like, okay, yeah. I'm turning 30. It's not a big deal. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. Or at this, like whatever, <laughs> um, I've uh, had a rough uh, breakup. I'm okay mentally. It's fine. 
mentally one may be okay we've caught up to things intellectually because we are this generation which you know doesn't want to be too bothered we want to quickly move on and all of these things and we've given ourselves the tools of hyper rationalization absolutely and the tools of constant distraction and immediate uh, moving on yeah <laughs> so in that kind of a situation i think what what has happened and what i've become very cognizant of in the last 3 4 weeks is that your body is not going to catch up to your mind so quickly or vice versa sometimes it is two separate things that are working together yeah and for yeah. me to be in that race of this triathlon i do not want one thing to get ahead and the other to be suffering yeah. and right now for me honestly the last 3 weeks have just been about getting my mind and my body together to be like guys are we okay together i know body is needing time to heal mentally we're like come on let's let's move on let life is happening and all of that but this mind and body disconnect but also the deeper reconnection which i feel we have to fall into and understand further as we grow older and older because the body is going to degenerate over the next 60 years of us living the mind is going to become bigger brighter stronger maybe more knowledgeable so yeah. where do you where do you where do you where does it i don't know my question i don't know my thought but no, i've been I, feeling I think, this i think there is something there let me let me uh untangle the why don't we go into a break then already no okay we can stay it's been like 20 minutes has it my god okay no let's just unravel this thought before yes. we go into a break because mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want to lose it because yeah. we will yeah. lose it i think when you say that your body and your mind aren't always in sync that's like fact that's 100% true and i think the people who are able to operate with their mind and soul and body in tandem your three actually i'm going to put i'm going to throw soul yes. in there as yes, well because i absolutely. think that exists yeah i think when the three those those three elements are working together that's just like that vesuvius <laughs> you know like just perfect like in all dimensions leonardo's like dream achieved that yeah. is it that's a perfect man woman human person person yeah. I think though most of our struggle is the fact that these three don't work in tandem. Mm. And each each one is having each one has an expectation from the next. Like your mind is like why isn't the body and soul cooperating? The soul is like listen I'm just not in touch with you guys and your body's like I am in so much pain. I'm tired. <laughs> don't want to, yeah. don't want to get out of bed. I need sleep. So that that flux that we're in i think that also really really affects your decision making and that's what i want to pull these things together is that um it just depends on which day who's at the wheel yeah i love these transport metaphors really just moving forward <laughs> just want to keep moving you know that's <laughs> it still but it just depends who is making a decision that day whether it's your mind whether it's your body whether it's your soul and who seems to be the most functional quote unquote functional that morning or that afternoon um it depends who read the message <laughs> you know if your soul read the message you're fucked you're just leave it put the phone down walk away <laughs> but if you know sometimes you think maybe which is why i think we act irrationally we have rash decisions where we yeah. we speak out of turn we say things that we don't mean and then you quickly want to just gobble the words back in but that you can't help it because the decision making process was all out of sync everyone is out of whack yeah. and i think to take this one step further and i hope everyone is still with me on this is that sometimes when say for example your mind makes a decision it's really your body that pays the price 
Absolutely. That extra drink, that extra hour out, or that decision to not do one more Suri Namaskar, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. your body is making the decision because your body is guiding you towards maybe very primal needs. Mm. And then it's your mind and your soul that suffers after. Because you've I given into a base desire. Yeah. Right? So how do you and I make decisions? I think we make them depending on who is the most functional part of our trifecta that day. And I don't think that's the best advice to give, but I think that's the honest answers to how I make decisions. It just depends on who was in control that day. And I know that's not very mm. stable, but I think the goal is to achieve some level of stability between the three. Yeah. And I would love to hear listeners' thoughts on this also because clearly this is a conundrum we have and it's not that we have any solutions. But I think it's an interesting observation. And I'm pretty some, sure people listening would relate to this because if I was listening to this, I'd be yeah. if I was driving home and I was listening to this, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I guess who took a decision today? I guess who took a decision today? It wasn't me. Um, but we can take a break now. We can come back. Yes. Okay, see you on the other side. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, it's Agla Station Adulthood, episode number 89. You know, also, by the way, at some point, we're going to discuss the fact that we're at 89. Imagine we are so old in episodes. But we young in thought. Body, spirit and, <laughs> and thought. Mind. Um, we haven't adulted the amount that our show has adulted. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Our show is in its old age now. I think there's longevity in this decision that we made, though. That's also true. Huh? Call ah, back? I see what you did there. Okay. Well, I think we talked about a lot of what confuses us about decision making yeah. in the first half. How do you deal with the fact that you've made a decision? Are you somebody who like sticks it out and is like, well, you know what? I did this, so I'm going to make this work. Or are you far more now like, flippant about it. I know that flippant is a negative word. I know it is. But this ties in with the fact that our generation has a lot of problems with commitment and we are addicted to immediacy. So I'm using flippant because it's a negative word, but because I think that when we walk away from things, there's a certain flippancy to it. And I, I don't know whether that's a good thing. I mean, oh, see, it also depends on what that thing is, right? If yeah, it's an I mean, opportunity. It's so subjective. Yeah, like if say it's an opportunity to do a great, uh, great role. But for example, there's somebody involved with the project who I think is problematic or there's something about, for example, saying no to something, mm. making a decision like that, which you somewhere internally know is the right decision that for you, that you have made in that moment. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that that is a kind of, then it's an irreversible decision also. Once you say no to something, once you turn down an opportunity, that is an irreversible decision. But decisions I make, for example, when it comes to the uh, romantic department of like, I'm not going to text him again. No, no, it means three days later, if I feel like I'm going to. But I'm not going to text the director again being like, you know, I had a thought about it. Yeah, okay, if he is uh, problematic and it's fine. No, I've made a decision. I want to stick to it. So it really kind of depends on my feelings surrounding that decision. So do you think that you're a little bit more, and this is interesting, 
you're more rigid with the decisions in your professional life than you are in your personal life. Whereas, because you think that you'd be more protectionist in your personal life because you think that you're guarding is yourself and your heart. Oh no, I do. This is the thing, na. We are. No, this I'm discussing. Yeah, that. yeah. Professionally, I feel I'm more um hardcore. Yeah. Also, because you feel there's some element of um, I think growing up. Also, we've I've at least just imagined or learned or thought that uh, work is work and professional life is where one is more like hardcore and systematic and all of those things. Right. For me, personal life has always been a place of like screaming, crying, being a mess and being whatever you want to be. And in that being whatever, in that allowing oneself to be however they want, that freedom of even like going back and forth on your decisions comes in, I guess, based on mood. I'm not predictable that way, mood-wise. That's true, so, by the way. Anyone listening, Dash is not predictable in her personal life at all. And it makes our friendship ever so spicy. <laughs> because it's always like, oh, okay. But I think there's something nice about that. And I'll tell you why. It's because, you know, watching shows and, and the media landscape and reading and what you absorb culturally right now is kind of like you're supposed to be very protectionist about yourself. I think that's what I see a lot of. It's like, but speak your truth first. Like you come first. Like you have to make sure that your heart is healthy and your heart is um, not healthy like uh, safola oil, healthy like it's not in pain. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and you see a lot of people sort of general vibe is to put yourself first now. Right. Yeah. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not for I'm not commenting on that. I'm talking about that's really interesting for you, because in fact, sometimes in your personal life, you've allowed yourself to open yourself. You Like you've allowed other people to perhaps you've given them space to hurt you or like to maybe not give you the most desirable reaction. But you've owned that because you're like, but I said what I felt. And that was the way that you protected yourself, actually by not holding on to something, by just opening yourself up. And I think that's why you're able to actually have such a mature engagement with so many people because you don't leave a lot of things unsaid. And that's a decision that you've taken to be that way. Yeah. But And it hasn't always worked out. Like, I mean, there's been plenty of times where you know that it's backfired, but you've still stuck by that. So that's something like, is that something that you advocate for? I have always I wanted to know. Now, now that you've asked me, yeah, probably. Because another thing I've kind of wanted to work on in the very recent past is to not hold on to any kind of annoyance, frustration, negative emotion. And I think that is kind of linked into getting it out of your system, for example. Yeah. And honestly, credit goes to my Masaba director, Sonam, because she has told me this a few times when she's working and she it's like about work and it's simple like on set lots of things go wrong sometimes but do you carry that shit home it's a very simple example like do you want it to bother you later or you just like say everything you want to right now and get it out and clear the air right I've always anyway been like that I've always yeah. wanted to clear the air whether that meant writing a letter or having a very long Facebook message argument or sitting in the bathroom at school and crying till we've solved everything. I don't mind going through the really dark emotional trenches to come out of it feeling a little better. I don't mind that kind of emotional labor. 
for myself and going to the pits to come back. I don't That's mind. That's a it. really nice way. Like you are willing to emotionally dig your way through the tunnel to the other side. It's fine. Because you know, time and time again, things happen and you realize, oh, f- the other side is going to be fine. And you're only going to get better, stronger and more evolved as we move along this journey. But I think the problem is that there is no guarantee of that, right? No one gives it to you. So that mm. this trench is this emotional trench that you're in, that you're digging, it seems almost safe enough to just stay in it as much as you've dug it so far and then just stay and then let the bombs go overhead. We are now into a World War I I Because you said trenches. Now, trench warfare is only associated with one thing. Also, Um, but then I think that's when a professional comes into the picture. So I'm a person who loves to go into the trenches, but then I need a professional to guide me through the trench recognize the trench, recognize myself in the trench and fix whatever that is also. Which is the hard part of going to therapy and working on oneself also. So do you think uh, therapy has made you a better decision maker? I don't know if it's therapy, but I would say life in general. Becoming an adult, this, yeah. That is just, I think, that's just the passage of time and experience. It makes you slightly more adept at doing things. Like I'm better now at cutting onions than I was 10 years ago because I've just cut X amount more of onions. But therapies help me make decisions where I have to say no easier, which earlier was not the case. Learning to say no to things and making boundaries or whatever. You know, it all sounds very floofy. I'm the Instagram, boundaries, self-care, all this. It's not uh, possible. Sometimes, my God, you can draw as many boundaries as you want. And then the next thing you know, somebody is going to cross that boundary and absolutely you'll find yourself allowing it. And there's no real reason for it. There's no real explanation as to why you've made an allowance for one person or one job or one manager or one friend, but you have, and suddenly you're in it. And now you've broken down the schematic of how you engage and how you make decisions. And so now the handbook is out the window and you have no idea what to do. So I guess in that sense, the guide in the trenches, that's where that guide steps in. Kind of, yeah. And also, I think another thing that's happened a lot with decision-making, emotional trenches and therapy all together mm. is, again, my new thing is in recent and what Sonam also says, to let shit go. And that can sometimes be the... Oh, I'm so sick of hearing that though. I'm just going to disagree with you on that. Like, I'm but, so sick of it. I'm, I'm, I am up to my head. Where are you going to hold it it and go, Baba? Where are you going to take it with you? And where are you going to suffer? No, I know that. I know that. But hearing that line, let it go, is like someone telling you to calm down. I don't think in the history of being told to calm down, anyone has ever calmed down. When my dad tells me to relax, I get more angry. (laughs) I'm like, I'll murder you in your sleep. (laughs) But I think being those things are what I would avoid telling my friends. Because I don't want to hear it. I know fundamentally that I have to let some things go. I know that I have to relax. I know that by being calm, my ability to assess the situation is going to be 20% better and more rational. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most people post 25 actually have this level of self-awareness. Most people who have had experiences and all the more people who have struggled, who have had a lot of setbacks, who have faced actual obstacles of a like a trouble, like mentally or physically troubling nature, I think have this self-awareness that they know exactly when they're supposed to let things go. 
But that's the thing now, the intellect and the heart. This is again, then the, the your, mind, your body yeah. is not able to catch up to the letting go. So I don't know how it would work. Is it your mind telling your body that we have to do this? This is also part of the journey, you know, interestingly, figuring out what works for each individual person. And what percent are you supposed to allow each vote to carry? Like, is it a 33, 33, 33, and then 1% just gut? Or do you give your mind a little bit more credence do you give your body I have been told to get out of my mind more and be more listen to my body more this is my recent therapist revelation get out of here I'm like okay that's another one add that to the list of things I don't (laughs) get out of here just get out of your mind like okay see the problem with that statement is she doesn't get out of me. Me. <laughs> I, I love you. I am ready to walk away from her. I'll leave her on the side of the pavement and just go for a long walk if I could. She exhausts me. She thinks so much. She thinks all the time. She won't shut up. She just won't shut up. So how are you supposed to leave your mind? How are you supposed to just walk away from something that governs 30% of your life. I'm saying if I'm going to give these three things an equitable distribution of power over me. I don't know. And I think that that's what makes decision-making so much harder. I don't think there's a very large point to this episode in terms of a solution or an idea, but I think this is an honest... there are no solutions, yes. (laughs) But I think this is an honest conversation of how much of a struggle it is to make a decision on a daily basis. Yeah. And honestly, every adult year adult I speak to at this stage in my life now, whether it's my parents or parents of my friends. Hmm. And you're like, what is this life? It's just going to be like this. And they're like, yeah, it's just not going to stop being like this. Means you'll keep making you, decisions. Yeah, you're you getting better at it. You just, yeah, you have to keep making decisions. And you know, there comes a point in your life, I think, which is even scarier is when you start making decisions for other people. I can't imagine. I've just been exposed to a lot of people who have children recently. And I was like, holy shit, you not only have to decide for yourself, you are now responsible for someone else's decisions as well. But also I want to address the fact that now if it's coming to like having children in our country, how many people are making an informed decision to begin with that we are deciding to have a a child? Like a negligible percentage of the population is thinking about it. Yeah, and I feel like a child should really be a decision. So, anyway. I think that's a whole other episode to talk about. We are going to have a topic. Yeah, Yeah. how ready are we for the idea of motherhood? Hmm. Um, Which is a huge other decision that mm. is made sometimes sometimes the decision is made for you exactly. sometimes you have to make the decision sometimes no matter how much you want to make the decision and commit to something the universe isn't happy it isn't working with you so yeah. I think all of those things are very interesting and that's a that's a massive one that I, I would like to speak about individually but I think this conversation has always has helped me I'm glad on it. So basically, Actually, what I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying. This conversation It's not. not it's made you feel worse yeah, because yeah. now you have to let shit go yeah. and get out of your head, which are two things which you didn't want to hear today. No, I'm going to be very honest with every single person listening. This podcast episode has absolutely pissed me off. I feel like I need to meet Ayushi this evening for a cuddle. No, I mean, you haven't pissed me off. Jay hasn't pissed me off. Shitha doesn't piss me off. It's... It's my the life. Content. It's yeah. It's my. It's the content in relation to my life right now that this has annoyed me deeply. I think the only decision, though, in our twenties that 
is going to be a really good decision for us to take for the rest of our lives is the decision to work on ourselves and to be better with every passing day. It's like these positive affirmations I listen to sometimes in the morning and in the middle, I went through a phase of listening to them every day. And he says every time, today I am better than yesterday and worse than tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I don't, I, I don't know. See, actually, I like the part of three. Like I like things that are in three. Yes. You know, so like the triathlon, this today, tomorrow, uh, yesterday, this situation. I like that. I do not, however, like that advice. What I actually want, what I really actually want right now, what I really, really zig zig I want right now. I feel like she's broken now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have broken. I've completely broken. You should stop recording this. Um, I just want someone to make a decision for me. And that is the truth we have to accept, Ayushi. You have the God's blessing that you don't have. You're not, we are not those girls who are sitting in somebody's house and people are running our lives. Thank God every single day for that. But I, I am know thinking the trouble. more and more that <laughs> I kind of wish. Whatever it is, no shade to anybody. But Ayushi, it's a privilege <laughs> to make a decision. Is Sometimes the weight and the responsibility of that is a lot. I know. Oh man, I guys. It, every week is not easy being a functional adult. Uh... <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ayushi. I, this is why recording on a Monday is so like fucking traumatizing because you finish the weekend where like your emotions and your mind and your body are like in seven different places. Then you've gone to work after two days off. So your brain takes like the recalibration takes so long. And then you sit down and you ask these questions like, how do you make decisions in your life? And you're like, well, f- do I know? Because I haven't made a proper decision in my life recently. Have I? I've just let it. I've just been, you know what? I've been a thistle in the wind. The wind has been thistling me around. After that sweet little outburst, Ayushi, I want you to know that you are not alone in these feelings. It is you and uh, at least three to four billion others, hopefully. (laughs) So listeners, we really do need to hear your thoughts on this one because I feel like this is the beginning of a deeper and more intense conversation. And it's also a follow-up journey as we continue on our episodes with you guys. I can't believe that this is going to be on the internet forever. Please don't make me regret this, people. Tell me <laughs> that you feel this way as well. Share all your deep, dark thoughts with us. We love it. Let's get weird. Yes. Um, you can find uh, both of us at aglastationadulthood at gmail.com. You can find Tash on Instagram at R-Y-T-A-S-H, Ritash. You can find me on Instagram at Ayushi A9 and at on Twitter at Just Ayushi. You can also find other cool podcasts, other good episodes of ours and other shows on the IVM Podcast Network. You can find them anywhere at IVMPodcast.com or at or whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, man, have a good week and and just, thank you for listening as always. Thank you for the privilege of your time, my friend. Yes. Ciao.